Well, the past couple of Sundays, Pastor Dave has been talking about ministry opportunities and servant opportunities here at Fellowship of Faith. And as we learned, there's a lot of different ministry opportunities available, a lot of different things that you can be involved with, many different ways that you can learn about following Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Those times are are out there so that we can learn about the grace, the grace that God has given to us through Jesus. And of course, we remember the name of our church. The name of our church is Fellowship of Faith. So obviously, fellowship. Fellowship is a very important part. It's a very important part, and what better way to get to know the fellow uh, attenders, fellow members here at Fellowship of Faith than by fellowshipping with them. Well, on Sunday morning, there's a lot of people here, right? A lot of people, and it's, it's kind of hard to get to know those people on a, on a first-name basis. Maybe you might know their names, but it's hard to get to know them as a person and, and you know, what it is that they do and what it is that they do here at Fellowship of Faith. And one of the best ways of doing that is in smaller groups. Smaller groups give the opportunity to get to know the people just a little bit better. Otherwise, yeah, it's kind of difficult on Sunday morning. So it's in that fellowship, those fellowship times, that we can grow in our faith, that we can grow in our faith, and when we grow in our faith, we begin to see ways that we can serve God, that we can serve God right here at Fellowship of Faith, right here in this church, and also in the communities where we live. There are many different ways Many different ways that we can serve our God. Many different ways that we can serve our God. And Pastor Dave talked about them. There are many ways that we can serve Jesus Christ. And what Pastor Dave was really talking about was being disciples. Being disciples. Discipleship in Jesus Christ. And we can do that here at church. We can do that where we have been planted in this uh, church, in this faith community. But we can also do it in the communities where we live, where we work and where we play. Now Jesus didn't just call disciples in the first century. No, he continues to call disciples today. In the 21st century, he calls us, you and me, to be disciples, and we can be disciples where we live. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is following him, following him and learning about him as we serve him and as we serve others. Well, as we learn more and more about this Jesus that we follow, we learn more and more about what it means to be his disciple, what it means to be his disciple today. So today, we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship, the cost of discipleship. And Jesus talks about that. He talks about that in in the Gospel of Luke, chapter chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. They should be up on the screen now. I'll read those. And we can, you can follow along together also. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you and say, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. 
Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I like to emphasize one of those verses. Verse 33. Jesus said there, In the same way, any of you who do not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Wait, what? Did Jesus say what I thought I heard him say? Did he really say in order to be a disciple of him, in order to be a disciple of Jesus, I have to give up everything I own? I have to give up everything that I hold dear to me? Is that why so many people start out following Jesus, being followers of Jesus, and then when they find out how much the cost is, they give up and they head out the door. So friends, what really is the cost? What is the cost of following Jesus as our Savior? Well, there's an old story An old story about an old Christian and a young man who were sitting on their front porch with their dog laying out on the floor in front of them. Well, the young man asked the older man this question. He said, why is it that so many Christians zealously chase after Jesus during the first year or so after their newfound faith, but then quickly fall into complacency and don't look any different than their non-Christian neighbor? What makes some stick? while others fall away. Well, the old man smiled and he said, let me tell you a story about my dog. He said, one day I was sitting here on the front porch with my dog laying there next to me when the dog spotted a rabbit running across the yard. Well, immediately my dog took off after that rabbit and he ran and he barked and he chased that rabbit and soon other dogs heard the barking and they followed along, but then one by one, Those other dogs dropped out, discouraged. Only my dog continued to chase. Only my dog continued in hot pursuit. The answer to your question is in the story. Well, the young man looked confused, and he turned to the older man and he said, what's the connection between dogs chasing a rabbit and people chasing Jesus? Well, the old man replied, You don't understand because you asked the wrong question. The right question is, why didn't the other dogs continue the chase? And the answer is, they hadn't seen the prey. They hadn't seen the rabbit. They hadn't seen the prize. Unless you see the prize, the chase is meaningless and too much effort. Have you seen the prize? And I'm not talking about the prize of heaven. I'm talking about the prize of the one who will get you there. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Have you seen him? Do you know him? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price of of being one of his followers? 
Martin Luther wrote, grace cost me my life. Wait, what? What again? You know, what did he say? I thought you preachers were out there telling me that the price of grace is free. There is no cost to the price of grace, that it was a gift, that it was a gift, and, and it was, there was no way that we could pay the price. No way that we could pay the price for our salvation. So why are today we talking about the cost of being a follower of Jesus Christ? Why are we caught talking about this today? Well, yes, grace is free. Grace is indeed free for the price of your salvation and my salvation has been paid. It's been paid in full by the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ on that cross at Calvary. Grace is free. Just as Luther said, we are saved by grace. We are saved by faith as revealed to us in Holy Scriptures. Yes, grace has saved us. It's a done deal. And faith isn't of our own doing either. No, faith is a gift. It's a gift come to us from the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit calls us to faith. And the Holy Spirit keeps us in that faith all the days of our lives. Yet Jesus was pretty straightforward in our reading for today, wasn't he? He was pretty straightforward when he asked the question, are you willing? Are you willing to pay the price required to be my follower Are you willing to pay the price of being my disciples? The cost of following Jesus sounds pretty high, doesn't it? It sounds pretty high. In the text I just read, we learned that we're to hate our families, we're to hate our mothers and our fathers, our brothers and sisters. Yes, we're actually to hate ourselves. It sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? It Sounds pretty rough. Does Jesus Jesus really mean that? that we should hate our families, that we should hate ourselves, that we hate everything that we have, everything that we hold dear. Well, not literally. He was just trying to drive home his point. What he was really saying here is that in order to be his disciple, in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to put him first. You have to put him first in your life and everything else second. Hold everything else at arm distance except for him. Jesus was, in his calling, hearers to a radically different life. To a radically different life, a different way of looking at your life. A life of being willing to turn to the love that you have for Jesus into an action. An action and actually live out your faith. Actually live out that faith that you profess to have. It doesn't buy your way to heaven. It doesn't buy your way to heaven. It's an action. That action is an outgrowth of the faith that you have been given. You can't buy your way to heaven. It's already been done. But through faith, it just comes naturally. It comes naturally. James wrote in his letter, in the same way, In the same way, faith by itself, is not, if, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. Faith without deeds is, and works, or works, is no faith at all. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. In fact, James says you can't have one without the other. Faith doesn't require works or actions, but faith, but with faith, works or actions just happen. 
They just happen. They go together. Faith doesn't require works, but with faith, works and actions are there. Jesus asks you and me, can you keep your eye on the rabbit? Can you keep your eye on Jesus? You can with the help of the Holy Spirit. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. Have we in the church made grace so cheap that it's lost its value? Luther once said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that famous German theologian of the 20th century who was killed by the Nazis, wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, we have cheapened grace, and cheap grace is a deadly enemy of the church. We are fighting for costly grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, and absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace says, I can do what I want when I want because after all, Jesus forgives me anyway, doesn't he? And yes, that's true. His forgiveness is great. He's gonna forgive you. Cheap grace It doesn't matter if you don't follow all the commands because God is always there. Just as Paul wrote, you can't out-sin Jesus. His forgiveness is new. His forgiveness is new every morning. There's a contemporary Christian song that I like out there with the words, my sins, they are many. God's mercy is more. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase or that grace may abound? And Paul answers that question. He says, no, no, by no means. For if we go on sinning, if we go on in our sins, those sins are going to take over our lives. They're going to take over our lives and and pretty soon those sins are so important that God loses his number one importance in our lives and eventually we will be separated from the love of God which comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to turn you away from those sins that so easily attract you, to turn you toward God and what he wants for you and leave your sins behind. Otherwise, all we have is cheap grace. Is grace cheap? Ask Jesus what it cost him. It cost him his very life. Something as valuable as God's grace shouldn't be given away. So you might ask, what is the cost? What is the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? What is the cost of being a follower of Jesus? And no, it won't be cheap. It's going to cost you your very life. It's going to cost you everything you have. And don't think you get by with just half of your life saying to the Lord, you know, close your eyes when I go into this place or or close your ears when I say this or that. No, lackluster, mediocre resolve isn't going to save you when the battles of life come up. You're going to need something much more, much more than that, something more than you or I have. But Jesus, he has it. He has enough. He has enough for all of us and so much more. Have you got Jesus? Have you got Jesus in your sights? Each one of us has seen the prize. 
We've seen the prize. We've seen Jesus Christ. We've seen him in his word. We've seen him in the sacraments. We've seen him as as what he does in our lives and will do in our lives. Are you willing to give up your life? Are you willing to give up your very life as you know it and follow him? That's what it's going to cost, friends. It's going to cost you everything. Everything you have, your very life. Max Licato wrote in his book, Gentle Thunder, about learning to dance. Let's imagine you want to learn to dance. So you you go to the bookstore and you get a book on dancing and you take it home and you read it and you study it and you follow the steps and and you learn it and you get it all ready and finally you're ready. So you call your wife and you say, I'm ready to show you that I can dance So you hold the book and you you follow its instructions perfectly. And when the dance is over, you tell her, see, I've learned to dance. And your wife looks at you and she said, where's the music? (laughs) You forgot all about that. So your wife turns on Pandora. The music starts. She takes your hand. And yes, before you know it, you're dancing. You're dancing and you don't even have the book. Friends, we as Christians sometimes follow the book a little too closely. We master the doctrine, we outline the chapters, we memorize the dogma, we debate the rules, and we stiffly step out onto the dance floor with no music, no music in our hearts. Max Cato wrote, Let God have you, let God love you, and don't be surprised if your heart begins to hear music like you've never heard it before and dance like you've never danced before. It's the music of the Holy Spirit. The music of the Holy Spirit. Welcome that Holy Spirit into your heart and let him lead you and you will be like that dog who saw the prize the prize of Jesus, for you've seen him and you know him. Keep your eyes on him and you will hear that music. You'll hear that music of faith and with the Holy Spirit's help, you will be able to pay the price, to pay the price of being a disciple, to pay the price of being a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, the cost is high, but the prize is well worth the cost. Turn your lives over. Turn your lives over to Jesus Christ and you will live a radically different and changed lives. Thanks be to God and to him be the glory. Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on him each and every day of our lives that we may dance that dance with that music that comes from you and that we can go out and serve you, that we can go out and learn more and more about you here at Fellowship of Faith and yes, in other areas that we can serve you at church here, but most importantly, we can serve you in our lives in those areas where you have placed us, in the towns that you have placed us, with the people that you have put in our paths. Help us to share Jesus with each and every one of them in our lives and all God's people say, Amen.